get cranking here. We got a little ways to go here. Ephesians 4, let's go back there. Ephesians 4. Thank you, Lord. And you know what verse is, right? 11 and 12, remember? Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Everybody have that? Okay, let's read all together from the New King James Version. Ready? Read. And he himself gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So he himself gave some to be uh, apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. We call that the fivefold ministry. We could also call it the fourfold ministry, and you would not be doing it injustice by that. Amen? Amen. But he gave, a, gave this ministry for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So we're continuing our series on equipped for the work of the ministry. Father God, tonight we thank you and praise you for the opportunity we have now to spend this time in your word. I pray that God, as we've lifted our praise to you, that Father, you've released your word and your glory to us. And I pray, Father, that we'd have hearing ears and seeing eyes, receiving hearts, that the word of God will flow in this place, uh, flow freely, be glorified among your people. And I pray, Father, that God, there'll be no hindrance, no distraction, no disturbance in the atmosphere, that there'll be no deception, no demonic doctrine that's being taught in the ears of your people. I pray, Father, that, Lord, we will take heed to the word of God that's preached and ministered to us tonight. And I pray that, Father, you give me your anointing, your grace to minister that word in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. All right. All right. So we're talking about the fact that uh, God is raising up uh, what I see as a multi-generational army of believers who uh, will help us finish the work that God's given us in these last days. How many of y'all know these are the last days? And uh, going back, again, we're still picking up from what happened during uh, our RISE conference and uh, how we even closed out with the PS service, the capstone service on Sunday evening. And uh, mantles were released and people stepped to, into and accepted their call into ministry. And I believe you. When you say that God has he's called you into ministry, I believe you. I believe you. Y'all don't look like you. I said I believe you. God has called you into ministry. And uh, because we're all called into the ministry, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God has given us all the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? So God has called us into ministry. So my job, according to Ephesians 4, is to help equip you for the work of the ministry. To help equip you for the work of the ministry. Because I don't want you going out there being uh, uh, gangbusters and um, going out there trying to demon chase and the demons have to chase you. A lot of folk get excited about being demon chasers and end up getting chased by demons. Amen? And so I want to make sure you're equipped for the work of the ministry. Now, that word equipped, remember, it's the uh, Greek word katartismos, which means complete, furnishing, equipping. comes from another Greek word, katartizo. This is just review. Everybody say review. It means to, to render, to make sound, to complete. Uh, it means down there in the definition to uh, arrange to adjust. It means all, also down there, I'm just pulling out a couple of words here that are, are important. To prepare. To prepare. So we're being prepared. Right? Glory to God. To strengthen, to perfect, to complete, to make one what he ought to be. Hallelujah. So we want, we want to be put together. I've never been a baker. 
Um, but some of you who know, know about baking cakes, baking pies, um, to eat eggs by itself, is, it would be nasty. You know, just to eat flour by itself would probably be nasty. Some of y'all might like milk, I don't know. Um, but to eat yeast by itself would be nasty. To eat sugar straight would be, uh, might, you might enjoy that. Uh, some of y'all sugar cane people around here. Um, but all those, all those ingredients uh, individually uh, would not be um, palatable. But when you mix them properly and prepare it and make it what, to, what it ought to be, now it's useful. And so God has to take time to prepare us for ministry. In other words, we have many of the ingredients. We have skills and talents and we have, you know, personality and we have experience and history and so forth. But God has to put it all together so that we can go out in ministry and be, and be um, uh, useful for his kingdom. Are you, are you tracking what I'm saying to you? All right. So we talked about on the first night, we talked about something called submission. Y'all remember that? Submission teaches us all about obedience and prepares us for leadership, okay? We saw Matthew 8, verse 9. I'm going very quickly on this part. Matthew 8, 9, we, that, that centurion who said, he said, For I'm uh, also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. So notice he was under authority, and he had soldiers under him, which meant he was also in authority. So here, here's the principle you got to make sure you take hold of, is that you cannot operate in authority until and unless you are under authority. You must always be under authority to walk in authority. If not, you're a renegade. If you've got to be the head honcho, if you've got to be the top banana of every, everything you know, uh, everywhere you go, you're going to put yourself in, in a trouble situation. So, so primarily we are under God's authority. Am I right about it? Primarily you operate under the auspices of the Holy Ghost, the authority, the dominion of the Holy Ghost. But God also appoints men and women in the earth, uh, gives us rankings so that we can be under someone's authority. Because that, to be under authority, God, he delegates power. God delegates power, right? If any, how many of y'all serve in the military? All right, just a few of you. In the military, there, we, you know about authority. You know when a, when a guy walks up in front of your rank, in, fr in front of your, your, your platoon, and he has one stripe, or he has two stripes, or he has three stripes, or if he has four stripes, you know, and so, a couple stars, and you, you shape up. Right? Right? I know y'all civilians look so, so confused. You got to see how all these civilians look. Um. But, but when a general, if a general comes on the base and there's, a, there's a, a spill over there on the side, the general doesn't clean it up. The general tells his uh, lieutenant, or who, who's under the general at the war? A colonel. He tells the colonel, hey, make sure that gets cleaned up. Well, the colonel doesn't go and clean it up. The colonel's going to talk to the first sergeant. Right? See, y'all civilians don't know this stuff. The first sergeant. And the first sergeant isn't generally going to clean it up. He's going to get all the way down to a private who's going to clean that thing up. Right? Now, you may say, well, that's not right. Well, that private is proving his mettle. And eventually, that private, as he continues to submit, he'll eventually start getting some stripes. Before you know it, He'll be coming up in those ranks. See, so in the military, they understand that, yet in the body of Christ, people fail to understand 
this area of submission. But I want to make sure we, have, we understand the area of submission. Right? Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey those who rule over you and be what? Submissive. Why? For they what? So submission is for our protection. Right? And then it says, and uh, those who must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So submission gives us protection, but it also helps, as I just demonstrated, it helps in our development. Amen? So we want to make sure we are submitted. Y'all got it? Is everybody submitted to somebody? Is everybody submitted to somebody? You should be. You must. You must. I, I told you this. Uh, we showed you in Luke 2, uh, the story of Jesus Christ with his parents. Your, your first line of submission is to your own parents. That's where you learn submission right there. If you're still sucking your teeth, you're not submitted yet. So you're definitely not ready for ministry. If you still side-eye your parents, you're not ready for leadership. You're not ready to serve yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're still rolling your eyes at the teacher, you're not ready. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So we moved on from service. Then last week we dealt with another area uh, called what? Service. Service, right? And I talked to you about how serving trains us in humility, which is necessary for grace. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5 in the Living Bible says, You younger men, follow the leadership of those who are older. Now, King James, New King James talks about submitting, right? And all of you serve each other with humble spirits. All of you serve each other. So there's a place in the body of Christ. If you want to grow, you must learn how to serve. Say, neighbor, you must learn how to serve. Hallelujah. We must learn how to serve. Serving is so important because serving helps us to stay, become, and stay humble so that we can receive the grace of God. Hallelujah. Because you're going to need more grace. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble, right? So service is how God always prepped everyone you see in Scripture. They went through a period of service before they were launched out into ministry. Am I right about it? Remember I showed you about uh, Joshua, how Joshua uh, became the leader of Israel, but before he did that, he did what? He served who? Moses. Y'all remember that? You remember uh, Samuel. Samuel became the prophet of Israel. But before he did, he served Eli from a little child. He spent many years serving Eli. Hallelujah. We, we remember uh, David. David became king. God had anointed, uh, had Samuel anoint David as king. But David spent more than 10 years uh, learning to serve. He served. In fact, God was, God was so strategic that God put uh, David in the palace to watch, to learn how kings and kingdoms operate. Hallelujah. And, and so in serving uh, uh, serving Saul, he learned how kingdoms and kings operate. So when he became a king, it wasn't new to him. It wouldn't shock him. And so many times people, people are, are never prepared for, for leadership because they never served. And God can't trust you uh, to get in leadership and all of a sudden shock the sugar out of you. Well, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Well, if you had spent some time serving, and especially if you had gotten very close, the closer you serve your leaders, the closer you are, you get to see some of the inner workings and some of the, some of the challenges. 
Hallelujah. Remember God told um, Joshua, I think it's in Joshua chapter 3, uh, God tells Joshua, he said, today I'm going to magnify you in the sight of the people. I'm going to magnify you in the eyes of the people. Now, magnify sounds good. Well, praise God, magnify me. But you understand, when you get magnified, you're enlarged. You're enlarged. So that means people get to see, see stuff. Right? Some of you ladies, when you're going to, uh, you know, do your face up, you know, you, you, you get a mirror. But if you really want to get it right, you get a magnifying mirror. Or at least you should. Some of you should. You get a magnifying mirror. Because you, you were looking you were looking one on one. You need to ten times it. Ten X. Oh, because you missed something. Right? And so when you see that, when, when you magnify, you see flaws. When you magnify, you see flaws. So in the time that Joshua spent with Moses, God was able to help work out some of those flaws that were in him. And we don't read about any, but everybody comes with flaws. Say, so never you came with flaws. Right? So Joshua served Moses, okay? I talked about how uh, David served, served uh, uh, Saul. Remember, Elisha served Elijah for many years, washed his hands. He was, he was, he was his cupbearer. He was everything to him. And in doing so, uh, he had a closer relationship than all the sons of the prophets who were off in the distance observing Elijah's leadership from a distance. But Elisha was close. Amen. Now I'll let y'all do with that what you want to do with that. All right? So then we ask this question. I want to make sure I review this here. When do we ever stop serving? When? Never. Now I showed you Jesus Christ who was, who was master, Lord, Savior, our champion, our greatest champion. And yet in John 13, we see where he kneels down after that, 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 that supper and he girds himself, takes a towel upon himself, and then he kneels down and, and gets in the lowest position you can have of a servant where he began to wash the disciples' feet. I threatened y'all with a foot washing. Uh, now when, we, when we do that, we're going we gonna to establish some ground rules for the foot washing. Amen. But it's a place of service. It's a place, it's a place of, the, it's the lowest place of humility. And here is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, yes. kneeling down in this place of humility because you never, ever stop serving. And as long as you serve, you remain humble. And as long as you remain humble, the grace can continue to flow in your life. It's dangerous if you get to a certain place where you feel like you've arrived. If you feel like you've arrived and you don't have to serve anymore, you don't have to bless anybody, you don't have to minister to anybody, you don't need to help out. You just, you know, you know, boy, woo. You, you come, you know, there, there, are, there, are, there are some of you who when we have events and the event is over, you hang around to help. And some of you, as soon as the event is over, before the event even finishes, you've already closed your Bible, packed with your purse, and you out of here. Just look straight ahead. You just, you pack up your Bible, get your purse, and you out of here. Boom. Because I'm sure somebody else is going to do that. Well, yeah, but we're serving each other. Y'all real quiet right there. But we're serving each other. And that place of humility, that place of humility is what enables the grace of God to continue to flow in our lives in a greater dimension. I need more grace tomorrow than I have today. Come on now, God's taking us somewhere. Tell your neighbor, God's taking you somewhere. Matter of fact, tell him he's taking you higher. 
And the higher you go, the more grace you need. So you got to go down low again. You got to stay low. That's why it's important. You know, we got this, you know, this prayer life we have now as faith people. You know, I walk around decreeing and declaring and decreeing and declaring, thanking God and so forth. Every once in a while, you got to get down on your knees again. I'm going to stay over here. Because they got it. I don't think y'all got it. You got to get down on your knees and pray. I know you can ride in your car and pray and walk and pray and decree and declare because in my royalty and my sonship, but you got to get down on your knees and pray and talk to God in a place of service, in a place rather of humility. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know, I mean, I'm, I'm a faith person. I know how to walk and pray and decree and declare, but I make a habit every day of getting on my knees. I, I, mean, I got to put pillows and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to be here for a minute. <laughs> but I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. I mean, I know I'm, I'm a son of God. I know I'm royalty. I know that. I know how God sees me. But I want to stand up before him. Hallelujah. All right. All right. So we got we to gotta stay in this place of service. That's what Jesus Christ did. I, I remember one time, uh, Deacon Gershman and I had gone to Chicago, and uh, we were at a, attending a um, business conference uh, at Dr. Bill Winston's church. How many of y'all know Dr. Bill Winston? At his church, great man of God, great man of God, great, powerful, world-renowned man of God. If you don't know him, you need to get to know his ministry. And um, we were there for his conference for this business training and so forth. And uh, I remember somehow we bumped into him. Uh, we were going to the elevator or something like that, Gershom. Was that right? And uh, I don't know where all his armor bearers were. I don't know where anybody was. He was by himself. I'm like, Dr. Bill, what? Are you by yourself? And he's carrying, if y'all know Dr. Bill Winston, he, he, he's, not, he's not an iPad preacher. He's got his, his attache case with all of his notes from his whole ministry. For all the last 30 some 40 years he's been in ministry, everything, like everything there, and all his folders and stuff. And he's got that. I said, no, I got it. No, I'm, I'm carrying all your stuff, sir. Now, Bill Winston could walk in here, or I could walk in this church, and he wouldn't know me from Adam. I don't care. I don't care if he doesn't know me. I saw an opportunity to serve. See, and when you take that, when you use the opportunity to serve, uh, you keep yourself in a place of humility. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. Sir, and I'm going to just throw this out here. I'm going to just throw this out here. Service is uh, very lacking in the urban community. I'm going I'm I'm to use that term, the urban community. In the inner city community, serving is very lacking. Most folk in the inner city, in the urban community, uh, minority communities, have become so um, um, entitlement-minded that we've, they've forgotten we're called to serve each other. And it translates right into the church. And we got to change that. 
We got to change the fact that most times, if any community improvement is happening, anybody coming in the neighborhood is folk from other communities. Y'all follow my drift? When I say other communities? Other communities come to clean up our trash, clean up all of our, all, yeah, they mine. I'll clean up all their trash, all their streets and all their stuff. That's a crime and a shame. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It, it's okay to bring your neighbor's garbage can in for them. Praise the Lord. All right, let's go to this last area. Well, not this last area, this next area, this next area. So we talked about submission, talked about service. Now here's another big one. These are all big ones. They're all cuss words in, in, in depending on what community you're in. Submission is a cuss word. <laughs> service is a cuss word. Here's another one. Study. 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 S-T-U-D-Y, study. Now, what are we doing again? Preparing ourselves or being prepared, being equipped for the work of the ministry. And what you have is people who get excited about a title or a mantle or a calling and won't, won't do anything that's necessary to actually equip themselves or be equipped for the actual work of the ministry. And as much as submission is important, as much as service is important, there's another area that we cannot miss, and it's called study. Can you loud, shout out real loud? Study. 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 You would not go to a doctor who's never studied. As a matter of fact, I'm a little concerned about doctors today because the doctors are in school. They're all cheating. They're all cheating. They're all using AI and chat GPT on their exams. Some of y'all know about that, don't you? You know what I mean? Like chat <laughs> but the doctors are cheating, so I'm concerned if I'm going to go in your office and let you, let you diagnose me or, God forbid, do, do surgery, and you, you, you looking at a reference and you Googling how to, how to do an app <laughs> Right? You, you, you wouldn't trust a lawyer with your case who's never studied the law. Am I right about it? You want to get a good cook? Now, I know your grandma can cook. Your grandma got the big cooking arms. You know them big cooking arms? I'm telling you, you want, you want that kind of cook. I'm telling you, that's what you want. You want that one that, that's what you want. Oh, skinny arm girl. No, you can't. You're going to microwave everything. No, I want, I want big mama. <laughs> but, the, but the ones who really know uh, how to make a meal, uh, I'm going to use one of Barry's word, epic, are those who study and understand the science of food. There's a science to food. And if you really want to have um, a, a, a dazzling, a life-changing culinary experience, you'd much rather go to someone who has uh, studied the food sciences. So how is it that we in the body of Christ 
have this mindset that we can go into ministry, walk with a mantle, walk with an anointing, walk in power, walk in the things of God, and don't commit ourselves to study. To study. Now, I want to I I make sure you understand. Your counterparts in Islam study. They studied the Quran and they studied your Holy Bible to make sure they're equipped to refute you. So what happens if you've not studied? They know more scriptures in your Bible than you do. What you going to do? People in the, in the, in the black Hebrew Israelite, they've studied. They got papers. They have... They, they've been trained, prepared on how to convince you that you're in the wrong religion. Hallelujah. And if you don't know, if you've not studied, you're not prepared. You're not ready to give even an answer as to the hope of your calling. Hallelujah. So, everybody say study. Biblical knowledge gives you a foundation and anchor for ministry. Biblical knowledge. Now, this is going to be the most boring section of all, but it's important. Biblical knowledge gives you a foundation and anchor for ministry. Because, my friends, listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. It's dangerous to be gifted but not grounded. It's dangerous to be gifted but not grounded. And in, in, in today's uh, YouTube Christianity and Facebook Christianity and Instagram Christianity and Twitter prophets, TikTok prophets, there are so many people who are gifted. But if you listen to them for one minute, you know they're not grounded. Now, if you've not studied, then you don't know they're not grounded. So you share, you repost, you retweet the foolishness that they put out because you don't know any better. So then you get involved in perpetuating error because they, they, they put it out with hype music behind it. They, they use the, the right sound on the TikTok. Is that what you'll call it, the sound on the TikTok? They, they, they use the right sound on the TikTok. They had the camera at the right angle while they were in the front seat of their car driving. And because they said, oh, up, I, I shot, I, the Lord is telling me. When you, when they, because they did that two times, now you think they must be anointed. They may be anointed, they may be gifted, but they're not grounded. And the reason they're not grounded is because they've not actually studied. And what you have in, in the Christian world is one big echo chamber of people echoing Someone else's heresy. In fact, we could call it hearsay. Because the people who are putting these things out, they didn't get this from God. They got it from somebody else who got it from somebody else who got it from somebody else. And the person they all got it from was wrong. But if nobody ever went back to the Bible to see, does the word actually say that? I remember, I remember when, I, when I first started pastoring this church in uh, 1998. November 1st, 1998. And uh, at that time, I was working in, in a barbershop. I used to be a barber. I was barber for 13 years. 
and uh, I was working in the barbershop, and so uh, now, because I'm pastoring, um, I, I got to preach all the time, right? When I wasn't a pastor, I preached a lot, <laughs> a lot. I'm going to leave it at that, but I wasn't, still, still wasn't preaching all the time, but now I'm preaching all the time. We're going to do Bible studies, and we're going to, I mean, we're going we're gonna to get the word. So I've got to study a whole lot more than I was accustomed to. So as I begin to study, I begin, you know, to really dig into scripture, and I would say, wait a minute, that says what? I said, that's not what I heard. And the more I go through the scripture, I say, wait a minute, that doesn't say the Lord won't put more on you than you can bear. never said that. And the more I study the word of God, I'm like, man, that stuff is in gospel music. And people preach gospel music lyrics like the musicians are and the singers and the songwriters have studied the word. But what they're singing is what they heard. They're singing hearsay. Many of them, you understand, I'm, I'm not, not trying to indict a whole industry. But many of them are singing hearsay, and they've never studied the actual word of God. So they keep perpetuating doctrines or beliefs or erroneous teaching that's not based in the word of God. Are y'all listening to me tonight? Glory to God. The race isn't given to the swift or the strong, but to the one that holds out endurance to the end. And I went and saw it in scripture, wait, that's not what it says. It says the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, but time and chance belong to them all. That's totally different than what they say. See, but if I never studied, I'd be up here still preaching 25 years later, erroneous doctrine, heresy, hearsay, and telling you something that doesn't match the word of God. Hallelujah. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation everyone who believes. So what's the power of God to salvation? The gospel. So if I preach something and it's not actually the gospel, then it has no power. Now, people can feel good and run and jump and leap and dance, but there's no actual, tra no actual transformative power because you weren't preaching the gospel. You were preaching what we could amount to as gossip. Something you heard somebody else said because you never actually took the time to go back and read the Bible. Everybody say Bible. Bible. I mean, aren't we blessed today? We have Bibles and we have uh, iPads and, and whatever devices you have, so forth. You can go back and you can, you can look in the Hebrew and the Greek and you can, you can uh, click on a word and get the definition, right? And it, I mean, you, we, have, we have a plethora of resources today. Back when I first started preaching, man, my, in fact, I got, still have a lot of my materials. I, a bookcase, I mean, to, for me to preach, uh, uh, study for one message, I'd have a big old Strong's Concordance and a uh, Bible encyclopedia and a Bible dictionary and manners and customs of Bible times and, and two or three translations of the Bible. And I mean, just, it, it, was, it was a task. Now, it's all on your device. In one place, and yet people TikTok themselves, 
spend time on YouTube watching YouTube shorts and seeing what some other, somebody else said and never dig in to see what God actually said. Y'all can be quiet on me all you want to, but we're going to shut down all this uh, erroneous teaching that even comes out of this church on your little social media. See, because, because, because you are teaching and perpetuating things that are not even true. If it's not in the Bible, it's not even true. You just think it's true. You know, I heard a, a statement a couple weeks ago that, I'm going to see if I can, I can uh, repeat it to you. A uh, person said, it's harder to convince, no, they said, it's, it's easier to deceive a person than to convince them that they've been deceived. It's easier to actually deceive somebody than to actually convince them that they've been deceived. In other words, it's easier for us for people to put out bad information and people just follow it and go along with it and accept it as truth than to go and show them the word and say, wait a minute, look in the word. No, but see, their minds have now been so made up about that deception you can show them in the Word. And the problem is they, they look at the Word subjectively and not objectively. So they read the Word with their mind already made up of what they believe. So no matter what they see, they don't change their, their thought because they already have their mind made up of what grandmama told them. No, my grandmama told me. Man, that's not what the Word says. I don't care what grandma told you. Grandma was nice. Just eat, eat the cookies. Eat, eat the cornbread, man. But don't. Don't, don't, don't take the word that she said if it didn't match the word of God. Grandma made that good skillet cornbread. Eat that and be happy. But don't, but don't take what grandma said if grandma didn't get it out of the word. Well, grandma got it from her preacher. I know he was a preacher and he could hoop and haul and squall and but if he, that, that, that's why, that's why I don't spend much time doing that hooping and squalling and no, open to your Bible to Proverbs chapter 3. So you know what I give you is from the word and not from me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My opinion may be wonderful, but it has no transformative power in your life. The only thing that will transform your life is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So there are people who are gifted, but they're not grounded. So many of them. I could start running down names of people y'all watch. Because I hear y'all talking about them in, in the little conversation. And I can say, yeah, but if you listen and, 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 and hold your Bible next to the TV, you hear that word bouncing off. I mean, some, some of the biggest names. People who, I mean, and one of the problems is, and I, I don't know who I was telling this, but one of the biggest problems is right now, some of the greatest music in the gospel or the, the, the church industry is coming out of churches and ministers who are biblically off. I'm telling you, some, I mean, the greatest music, we, we play and sing and stuff like that, and I love it because the music's great. But, but you, you don't want to sit down and listen to their, their teaching. Because their teaching is full of error. 
I don't know if y'all can handle this tonight. I don't, I don't know if y'all. See, I, I got to make sure you know this because the error, 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 um, the, the spirit of error is all in the church. And it's real loud. Gets, gets the most attention. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me out of that water. Hallelujah. The devil is a liar. Thank you, Jesus. Go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Y'all were there, right? We gotta, we gotta make sure we're not, we're not living on and, and perpetuating hearsay and heresy. Right. Ephesians four. I got it. Verse fourteen. Verse fourteen. Thank you. Remember, we we were reread eleven and twelve. All right. He's given us apostles, prophets. Come on, keep going. Event. Y'all know it by now, right? Evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, edification of the body of Christ. Right. But look down. Drop down to verse fourteen. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Come on. Cared about with what? Every wind of doctrine. The word doctrine means teaching. Every wind of teaching. So there's all kind of teaching because the Bible says that the last days people would, would heap, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. People heap to themselves teachers. So, so the teachers that are being most popular, the teachers that, that get the most views and the most clicks and the most likes on social media uh, are not necessarily the ones who are grounded in the word of God. The reason why they're so popular and why, you know, they can sell. I heard a girl last night talking about she sold at a conference in 12 minutes. Nope. Tiffany Montgomery, that's some of y'all people. Sold at a conference in 12 minutes. And erroneous doctrine just all through her teaching. But will feel... Arena, stadiums. See y'all, see how quiet y'all got. That, that's y'all girl. I can tell that's y'all girl. But you better, you better, you better, you better, you better, you better hold your Bible next to the next to the TV. And when she says something, pause it. Pause it. Go find it. But because you get the, the keyboard and the drums and the organ and the guitar playing the mu music in the background, you get so enticed and so drawn in. Oh, this must be right, and I, I feel the glory of God on it. No, ain't no glory because the glory only follows the word. Look how quiet your neighbor is right now. Look how quiet your neighbor is. See, you, you get tossed to and fro and carried about, carried about. That, that word, we, we can really say carried away. With every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, you can throw in women too because a lot of women out there doing this here, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Deceitful plotting, ladies and gentlemen. And some of the people who are most, the most famous, the most hyped people in Christendom today are perpetuating heresy. But if you don't know your Bible, you don't know. And what happens if you're not rooted in the word of God? Your zeal, because you get excited about these things, your zeal will carry you away and wreck you like a runaway train. If you don't know the word of God for yourself, that's why we, we, that's why, uh, we used to have a big old uh, cutout up on the wall here, the word. Because we want you to know the word. You don't need opinions. Now, I'm going to give you my opinions at times. 
don't have the microphone. But my opinion, if I give it to you, it's a word-based opinion. I'm going to back it up with something in the word of God. With more than one scripture. Not taken out of context. I said not taken out of context. Y'all better hear me tonight. Because you don't want to have this zeal and not have knowledge. Romans chapter 10 verse 2, Paul talked about his concern for the, for the uh, people of Israel. Remember I shared it with you on Sunday. Paul said, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. So people have zeal for God. That's wonderful. Oh, I'm excited about ministry. I'm excited about doing the things of God. Great. He said, but not according to knowledge. So you can have zeal and no knowledge. You know you can also have knowledge and no zeal. <laughs> knowledge and no zeal. You're just a boring, fuddy-duddy. You know, uh, you know all the Hebrew and the Greek. You have, you have the knowledge and those zeal. So you, you want zeal and knowledge. Hallelujah. In fact, your knowledge should give you zeal. Thank you, Lord. Just being born again should give you zeal. Am I right about it? So he said they have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Okay? So everybody say, I must be grounded along with being gifted. So if you receive the mantle, if you accepted a call to fivefold ministry, and I, I believe you have, I believe I, I know God is raising you up as an army. Right. I'm not questioning any of that. Right. I totally believe, I'm sure, that God has his hand on your life. That's why he kept you alive in spite of all the foolishness. Because right. God has his hand on your lives. But my job as overseer is to make sure you're grounded in the word so you're not some runaway train that's going to derail and wreck and spill a bunch of uh, toxic material all over the town. Okay? Now, here's the question. What about Paul? What about Paul? You know, people ask the question, well, what, you know, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? What about Paul's thorn? People have all these questions. They, they, when, you, when you show them the word of God, some, some, some young whippersnapper are going to say, yeah, but what about Paul? Paul got saved, Paul got born again, and he went right into ministry. So I don't need to wait five years. I don't need to wait ten years. I don't need, I don't need nobody to train me. I don't need anybody to talk to me. I don't need, I don't need nobody to approve me. I don't need, I don't need nobody to, to submit to. I don't need anybody because Paul didn't have all that. Use a lie. You don't know your Bible. You, you just proved my point. You just proved my point. Paul, Paul got saved. He, he had an encounter with God, knocked him off his beast, and went blind, and Ananias came and laid hands on him, and the scales fell from his eyes, and he went to preach it right away. No, let's read Acts 9. Let's read Acts 9, because this is a story that they're making up. I said the story that they're making up. Acts 9. And verse, I'm going to start at verse 19. No, I'm going to start at verse 17. Media probably don't have that. I'm going back to verse 17. They'll catch me. Verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So notice first thing that happens to him, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. How do I know I'm filled with the Holy Ghost? You're speaking in tongues with it and the Spirit gives utterance. 
That's the, that's the main sign you know you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, that's not to say that you've sought the Lord and he's filled you and you, you've not spoken. Doesn't mean he's not there. No, 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 because you have to yield to that in your faith. Okay? But it says he filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. Verse 19, so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent. What? Oh, so he didn't go out right away? Some days. How many is some? Oh, you don't know. Oh, you don't know how many some is. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't define to us what some is. So this notion that people have that Paul got saved immediately when I started preaching the gospel, you got to go back one verse. See, they're going by verse 20, but they didn't read verse 19. That's what happens when you take a verse out of context. So he spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So some, we don't know how many days some days is. I mean, we don't, we don't know how long Adam lived and, and Eve lived before they sinned. People act as if Adam and Eve sinned on day one. We have no clue. They might have, they, Adam and Eve might have been here 42,000 years because there was no time. So don't make the Bible say something that it doesn't say. I'm teaching you here tonight. So he spent some days. Now let's, let's pretend it was just some means a couple or three or four days. Fine. And you say, well, that's, that's great. That's great. All right? Verse 20. Immediately. Well, we know immediately must not mean right after he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Because we already see some days. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Are y'all seeing that? Okay. Well, Paul, he started out right away. Now, let's, let's pretend or let's say that you're right. Let's say he started out pretty quickly preaching the gospel. Okay? Myself, I got born again February 12th, 1989. I like throwing the hundred in there because it makes it sound like a long time ago. I guess it was kind of a long time ago now, wasn't it? But he started out, he, I, I got born again February 12, 1989. I started preaching the gospel, my first, my, what they call my trial sermon. How many of y'all older remember trial sermons? My initial sermon was April of that same year, two months later. I was preaching the gospel two months later. But when I did, I was already filled with the Holy Ghost, and I didn't get up fumbling in the word because I had something that Paul had that most folk today do not have so let's go to uh, Acts 22 Acts 22 verse 1 through 3 Acts 22 verse 1 through 3 hallelujah let me know you get there by saying amen, amen. brethren and fathers a, uh, hear my defense before you now and when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, verse 3, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. 
So notice what Paul lays out here. He said, I've been taught. I was brought up in this. I know the scriptures. I know the word. So when, when in Acts 9, 20, when he starts preaching that Jesus is the Christ, he's preaching the Old Testament. Because now that his eyes are open, now remember, because remember we saw the scales fell from his eyes. Physical. But also the spiritual scales fell from his, from his spiritual eyes. So now he knows all the scripture, all the law, all the prophets, all the Psalms that he knows are pointing to Jesus. So he goes back and preaches all the things he knows from a child and revealing that Jesus Christ is the one it's all talking about. Hallelujah. So he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a teacher who taught his students. And, and Pastor Kim mentioned it before about when Jewish children, they'd have to learn all this word, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, Deuteronomy. They'd also study the history, right? Picking up from Joshua and going forward. Studied all the prophets. They studied these things. That's why Paul, when he preached, he talked about what, what Isaiah said. In, in Romans 10, uh, he talks about, uh, he says, who has believed thy report? He's referencing Isaiah 53. He knows, see, these are things he has the biblical, the, 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 at that time, scriptural knowledge to preach the gospel. And the reality, the sad reality in the church today is that most Christians have no foundation in the word because there's not been, nobody's attended Sunday school. <laughs> y'all are quiet, y'all are quiet, y'all are quiet. How many of y'all grew up on Sunday school? Sunday school. Every Sunday morning, Sunday school. BTU, Baptist Training Union. You were coaching YPWW, Young People Willing Worker, Sunshine Band. We had Tuesday night Bible study where we studied the Bible. We didn't come have no blowout service. Everybody laid on the altar. No, it was Bible study. And I can tell you for sure that Bible study was much less attended than evangelistic service. Because people didn't have time, even as when I was a child, for Bible study. Most of the young folk, if, if, you, weren't, if you weren't serving uh, grits, eggs, and bacon, wouldn't come to Sunday school. Well, we did in our church. My dad, uh, dad was a pastor, and we, our church bought a, bought a school bus. Bought an old school bus, and we go and round up all the kids from all around Jordan Park and all around this area, 22nd, and bring them all to the church and, and, and feed them grits, eggs, and bacon, some sausage, and all that kind of stuff, and, and have them in, in, in Sunday school. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But, but most people have no uh, foundation in things like Sunday school. So that, that's one thing I teach all of my teachers, when I, go, when I do a preacher's teacher's training, I always tell them, hey, try not to use the phrase in your preaching, you know the story. How many of y'all, I've told you that, right? I, I say, don't use the phrase, you know the story. 
Because guess what? They don't know the story. 30 years ago, you could say, you know the story about how David stood up against Goliath. But today, you, you know the story about David and Goliath? So people don't know. And the problem is, we have many of those people who don't know, now gifted by God, mantled by God, Walk, want to walk in ministry, but don't stop. In fact, help me out, y'all scholars. Didn't Paul say at one time, he said that when God gave him that call, he didn't consult with the flesh, but he said he spent 15 years in the wilderness him and the Holy Ghost. Fifteen years. Fifteen years. Oh, but he went out immediately. Fifteen years, he said, he spent by himself learning. Because he had, he had a, 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 um, a, a head knowledge of the word. And had no heart knowledge of the word. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So we have people who they got the biggest YouTube channels and they got the biggest conferences and they don't have a, a head knowledge, e even a head knowledge of the word, let alone a heart knowledge. Now, they may love Jesus. That's wonderful. They may love Jesus. But if you love Jesus and don't have any sustenance, man shall not live by bread alone, but by all the praise and worship we can give him. Huh? But by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many of y'all knew that scripture already? Now see, if you didn't, we got to get it. How many of y'all know where it's found? Uh -huh. Matthew, Matthew 4, 4. What, where is that reference from? Okay. Let's go. All right. Second Timothy. Let's go Second Timothy. Deuteronomy 8.3. Y'all yeah. are waiting. I was waiting for somebody to throw it out there. I might have had $100 for somebody. You know about that. I said Deuteronomy. At least give me 50. Okay. Let's. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Second Timothy 3. Immediately help me. I got a speed read here. I don't have time to turn in my Bible. 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse 14 through 17. Oh, man, excuse me, y'all. Excuse me. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 through 17. Now, Paul talking to Timothy, his son in the faith, he tells him this. He says, but you must continue the things which you have what? Learned Learn and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Come on. And that from childhood you have. So notice Timothy who is called of God, becomes an overseer, a junior apostle even to Paul. Notice he says, but you've been raised in this. You know the scriptures. You know from a child you have known the scriptures. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, are y'all listening to me? That's why it's important for your children to be in children's church every Sunday and learn and they're not there for the cookies and all the little snacks and all the little games. 
They're there to learn the word. We're blessed that Pastor Kim spent, I don't know how many years of of her life she poured into writing a curriculum. They're not there trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to talk about this Sunday? They are going through a prescribed curriculum. I think two years worth of Old Testament, New Testament survey, they're getting in two years. Y'all better appreciate that, ladies and gentlemen. I I don't know if you get this here. And it's all faith, it's all Holy Ghost filled. And if they go through it, they know they've walked through the Old Testament, they've walked through the New Testament. And many of our kids could, could, could out-teach, out-inform some of our adults because they are at least going through that. So Paul says, from a childhood, you've known, from childhood, you've known the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation uh, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Keep going. Notice what he says. All scripture. Read it. Go ahead. All scripture. And is. What does doctrine mean? teaching. So you need scripture to teach. It's profitable for doctrine. Keep going. Watch why. So you are not equipped for the work of the ministry if you don't know the scriptures. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give me that same uh, verse, this passage in the easy to read version. Let me just do this very quickly. Let me read it. It says, but you should continue following the teaching you've learned. You learned, you know it is true because you know you can trust those who taught you. Keep going. You have known the Holy Scriptures since you were a child. These scriptures were, are able to make you wise. And that wisdom leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Come on. All scriptures given by God and all scripture is useful for teaching and for showing people what is wrong in their lives. Uh-oh, no. Nobody wants to do that. It is useful for correcting faults and teaching the right way to live. Whoa. So I can't do that if I don't know the scriptures. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give me uh, 1 Timothy. I'm skipping a little bit. Give me uh, 1 Timothy 3, 1 and 2. Let's skip all, all to the end here. I'm out of time. Are y'all learning anything so far? Is there any conviction coming on anybody tonight? First Timothy 3, verse 1 and 2. Paul says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires office of bishop, he desires a good work. Using that phrase, good work again. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable. Notice there's the last one here. Able to teach. How are you going to teach what you don't know? If you don't study it, you become an echo. And you'll echo error and perpetuate error rather than digging in the word of God and seeing what the word of God actually says. Hallelujah. Give me Titus chapter 1 verse 7 through 9. Last scripture. Titus 1, 7 through 9. Titus, that's the next book over or two books over. Titus 1, 7 through 9. You got it? For bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, keep going, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, as he has been taught, that or so that 
he may be able by sound teaching both to exhort and convict those who contradict. So notice you must hold fast to what you've been taught so now you can teach others. But if you've not been taught anything, you're not qualified to teach others. We have people all in the church call themselves teaching others, but you can tell they've not been taught. They're echoing error. And I don't want you doing that. I don't want you echoing error. I want you to be teaching the word of God, the, what we call the unadulterated word of God. And by unadulterated, we don't mean just, just uh, not, not leaving out the, the hard part. Unadulterated, unadulterated means don't change it at all. Don't change it at all. Don't, don't, don't quote gospel's music lyrics like it's the Bible. No, what does the Bible say? God's word is right all by itself. Hallelujah. Now, this is important. Now, I, I told you that Pastor Kim, you know, took the time, and God bless her, because God's going to take that curriculum all over the world. And, I mean, she's laid everything out. So the, the, the youth, the children have a systematic teaching, sequential teaching. It's, it's prescribed. It's, it's a curriculum that they go through. And I'm telling you, if they do it, those, those kids are now prepared for ministry. They're prepared for ministry. And I'm saying this because, you know, man, in this church, we were so grateful to be celebrating this past Sunday. Man, we had the, the Bible school graduates. Wasn't that wonderful? I mean, we had five graduates. One of them, Sister uh, Carol, lives up, up in uh, Pennsylvania, I think it is where she lives. Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee. I don't know I keep saying Pennsylvania. Uh, Tennessee, and, I mean, and she's a graduate and so forth. But here's the reality, Barbara. We had almost 40 people who started that class. We had almost 40 who started that class. I mean, when I say started, we, we've had, we have more that have, that have signed up and started classes. But I mean, from the first... The inaugural, when we first initially started the class, we had almost 40 who registered. And we graduated five out of 40. That's one-eighth by my, by my calculations. One-eighth would be 12.5%. Am I right? That's our graduation rate, 12.5%. I, I did it right. Well, that was sharp. Now, 12.5% at any school would shut a school down. And we got to think, well, wait a minute. Well, what, what is the problem? Well, I don't have time, Annie. How did you do that? Tell me about it. My wife would know they're nice. I didn't, I didn't come to bed. She never even saw me trying to catch up. I'm pastoring. I'm husbanding, I'm fathering, coaching baseball, counseling. So time is not the issue. Takina, one of my graduates, mothering, three kids, three little kids, wife, assistant principal at the time, and I know the assistant principal at Lakewood, she'd be there from 7 in the morning, sometimes at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. 
that was the requirements for assistant principal. And to complete another degree. And, yeah, complete another secular degree in the meantime. See, so why is this, is this time? No, it's not time. It's not putting the importance on study and thinking, well, I'm just going to make it to heaven. Yeah, I'm, you're going to make it to heaven. Wonderful. That's, that's done. But to be equipped for ministry, ladies and gentlemen, man, you've got to apply yourself. You've got to apply yourself. And, and in a systematic way, I know, I know there's enough YouTube stuff out there. You can go and kind of pick and nibble at different things. All, but what, if you want to really learn, you have to go through a systematic, a systematic prescribed course of study. Because if not, you're just dibble-dabbling and grabbing anything you can get your hands on, and it's really just, it doesn't make any sense. But when you go to a systematic way of learning, oh, now that makes sense. Oh, this makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Now you read the New Testament and you understand it because the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Oh, that's why. Oh, you see? And most of my students never made it out of Old Testament survey. Just look straight ahead. Most of our students never made it, which is the first class out of four. Now, I'm just saying that because, see, I, I, I'm going to tell you. I told my wife this, uh, at least I think I did, last year. Last year. From now on, my requirement to be ordained is you got to finish Bible school. I'm not going to ordain anybody else who doesn't go through Bible school and finish it. Oh, I'll license people. I'll license because that's God called you. I'm not going to ordain you until you go through Bible school. See, Elder, some of y'all got grandfathered in. You're blessed. <laughs> when, I, when I was ordained in the grand old church of God in Christ in 1994, the grand old church of God in Christ, 1994, I didn't just go up there and, you know, preach a little message and they say, okay, oh, you good. Okay, here, here's your license and here's your ordination. I had to actually, we had to go through a class. We had to pass an examination, written, and then an oral examination in front of a board to prove we knew scripture. Because they didn't just willingly hand out ordination. They said, no, this is valuable. This is important. And if you're not going to prove that you love this enough to study the word of God, that we're not going to ordain you to preach the gospel. You can, you can, you license, you can do that. But not ordain. See? So I decided last year, this was last year, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop giving away ordinations. I ain't giving away no, no more ordinations because I've been giving them away. But no. No, you got to submit, you got to serve, and you got to study. So that when you stand and preach the gospel, you know what you're talking about. When you stand and declare God's word, you know what you're talking about. When you're advising or counseling somebody, you know what you're talking about. Based on the word of God. How many people get dreams? I got a vision. Well, I heard a voice in the middle of the night and... I think God want me to do that. 
and it, it goes total against what the word of God says, before you know it, you are goofy. If you want to be goofy, go to Disney World and apply for a job. But if you want to be God's man, God's woman, get in the word of God and study. Amen. Amen. Gotta love me. Come on, stand to your feet. We're ready to go home. Hallelujah. I told you you would probably wouldn't be nobody running around the church on that part right there. Because that's what nobody likes. Nobody likes a study. See, we've created this even in the secular world. It's now instead of now, now the kids in school, they don't have to study. They just get them little worksheets. In school, the kids so far behind. That's why America is so far behind other countries when it comes to academic success because our kids have been tuned out of uh, studying. Now, Barry is telling me, and some of the teachers are telling me now, now that they can't even give a child a zero. Am I right, Barry? Just say it out loud, Barry. Am I right? They are not allowed to even give a child a zero. How wacky is a system? That a child who does nothing has to still be given some kind of grade that's going to cause them to pass. That's, that's set up to fail. Yeah, they'll write you up as a teacher if you give a child a zero. The, the teachers get penalized. Zeros and Fs, you can't, you can't do that. And that's the culture we're creating in America now. Japan's not doing that. China and Russia aren't doing that. Finland's not doing that. Sweden's not doing that. Just in America. We're saying just, just push them on through. <laughs> push them on through. We'll teach them how to, how, to, how to read a picture at McDonald's. That is a burger. Push the burger. Just push the picture of the burger. Well, it won't matter because when they go cashless, you want to give them change. That's the whole plan. So don't let that translate into the church where the church, we don't apply ourselves. Um, keep standing. Let me give you one more scripture. Um, 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. Amplified classic. Amplified classic. Amplified classic. King James, you know the word study. New King James says be diligent. Amplified straightens it out. Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly, analyzing. correctly analyzing and accurately, right. rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. So that means you can wrongly teach it. You can wrongly divide it. You can wrongly analyze it. He says, no, I want you to study so you can rightly do it. That word rightly in the King James, rightly divide, it's a butcher's term. It's a butcher's term, right, Barry? You, you go and uh, when you want a, a ribeye, my mother-in-law likes loves ribeye, me too, that's my favorite cut. You want a ribeye, you want to go to a butcher who knows how to get that ribeye right. They, they cut it the right way. Don't bring me no flank steak talking about this, so it's a ribeye. No skirt steak. Somebody said, "No, I know what a ribeye looks like, man." Right, the divide. Amen. Thank you, Father, for the word tonight.
I thank you because I know that your people here, these people in this church here. And Father, I pray that God, as you are raising up this multi-generational army of people who you will use in these last days to finish the work that you've given us, God, this will be a people who are prepared and equipped and ready that are useful to you in your kingdom. I thank you, Father, this will be a people who are astute, the students of the word of God, people who are committed to serving and committed to submit themselves and obey, Lord, those who are in authority so that we're always ready for you to use us. And I pray, Father, that as we go out in this world, that God, as we study the word of God, you, you made us a promise, Jesus. You said that the Holy Ghost, when he comes, he'll bring all things to our remembrance, whatsoever things you've told us. And so that, that, that means it's incumbent upon us to know what you've told us, to know what you said, so that at the right moment, the Holy Ghost can bring it up to our remembrance. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, we'll commit your word to memory. Commit your word even to memory. Hallelujah. And always be ready to answer when people ask us what is the hope that is within us. And I pray, Father, that tonight that your people will grow up, we'll all grow up into what we need to be so that you can use us in a mighty way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.